Wonderful. Good morning. Welcome. We are going to psych out all of the people that always wait till the second song to, to arrive, and we're going to actually do the message at the beginning of the service today. So, yes, so we're going to do, we're going to front end this thing and then uh, hand it over to, uh, to Dave and the worship team and do some extended worship at the back end. Uh, we're in our summer stories series, and we're specifically talking about generosity. And I, I want to confess that, that generosity is not something that really came naturally to me. In fact, I don't think it really comes naturally to anybody. It's not really a, it's not like a spiritual gift. It's actually more of a spiritual discipline. And the more that I have grown in Christ, the more I have um, increased in God's spirit, the more generous I have become because I begin to get it. And there is a spiritual parallel there. Now, when I first became a Christian, I was 14 years old, and the church, the mainline denomination church that I attended and grew up in was not doing, didn't feed me spiritually very well. So I wanted to go, the guy that was preaching the weekend that I accepted Christ and my sister accepted Christ, uh, February of 1981, he was going to be teaching at a weekend family camp in Indiana. So I found a couple of people that would be willing to go with me and I had a couple of friends and they had just graduated from high school. I was just going into my sophomore year, but they said they'd be willing to go and my parents, believe it or not, allowed me to drive uh, just the three of us uh, to Northwest Indiana. And when we were on our way, I had never <laughs> hardly been out of Iowa in my life. I'm 15 years old and we were going past Chicago on our way to Indiana, and I'd never been to Chicago. So we said, hey, gotta be there by Thursday evening at like six o'clock or whatever, and we've got time, let's just stop in Chicago real quick. So we pulled up Lakeshore, parked at uh, one of the parks there. We walked over to the John Hancock building, went up, looked at the skyline of Chicago, it was awesome. Um, and then we're like, okay, let's get back to the car, we've gotta get back to Indiana for the, for the uh, conference. When we get back to the car, the back window was shattered. And my friends had all of their stuff in the trunk, but I had everything in a duffel bag that was sitting in the back seat. So somebody grabbed, the, whoever broke in grabbed the duffel bag, and it was actually my brother's duffel bag, I had borrowed it, and took off with it. Now, I had everything for the weekend in that duffel bag. I had, um, I had all my money, all my clothes, all my toiletries, um, and my Bible, right? So I, and that was sitting on top, so I couldn't, I always pictured what the thief was gonna do when he opens up the duffel bag and the Bible's sitting right there. Anyway, I was, I was really, I mean, again, I, 15 years old, hadn't really traveled much. I, again, young people, this is pre-cell phone, all right? <laughs> no cell phones, no Venmo, all right? I am just with a couple of friends. We're teenagers in Chicago. I've got nothing but the clothes on my back. I hadn't even paid the registration for the camp. What am I gonna do? I can remember crying, and I can remember just feeling um, really uncertain and scared. Now, I was okay, and I remember my friends, the first thing they did, they said, well, look, 
one way or the other, it's, it's, it's kind of fall at this point. And they're like, going, it's going to get, you at least needed to get a jacket. So they stopped. My friends pulled together their money to buy me a, a jacket. So at least I would stay warm. We get to the camp and explain things to registration. I had to call my parents, collect, which my dad loved. Um, you know, he's a good Dutchman, right? Um, are you dead? <laughs> no. Okay, and everything's fine. We'll see you later. Um, that, so no, but I was like, okay, I have nothing. The, the folks at the registration desk said, hey, Tom, don't worry about it. We're, we'll, take, we'll make arrangements. So at the first gathering at this family camp in the evening, they announced, they had me come up, and they said, hey, this young man came all the way from Iowa. He had everything stolen. Um, he's got nothing. And I can remember in that drive from Chicago to the camp, as a 15-year-old going, God, why are you, why, right? Why are you doing this? Here, I saved up my money. I got a job this summer so that I could go to this camp. You know, I am trying to do something good for my spiritual life. I made this whole thing happen so that I could have a, a weekend experience and you let this happen? Anybody with me? You kind of feel those things? And I totally, in retrospect, know that God made it happen, but here's why because I experienced generosity for the first time. I had people coming up to me all weekend long giving me things. I had a guy that's like going, well, I, I have an extra pair of socks. <laughs> okay, thank you for your socks. I had people coming up, I had a lady that lived near the camp, went home, she came back with boxes multiple boxes of her son's clothing for me. I'm like, lady, it's just the weekend. I'm not living, <laughs> you know, I'm not taking up residence, okay? But she did that. I had people pushing money into my hands and I tried to stop. I was like, oh no, I don't, you know what? By the time I had the registration covered and I had plenty to pay for, help pay for gas and get home, I, was, I would tell people, no, 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 I don't need, it. and they would just force it on me saying, no, this is for you. And I ended up leaving the camp having paid for registration, paid for all my expenses, and I had more money in my pocket than when I left home. And God, God's spirit taught me something in that experience. You can't be generous until you experience generosity. We are generous out of the overflow of what we've been given. Darren read from 2 Corinthians 9 last, month, last week. Now he who supplies the seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness you will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. So remember, when we talked about the king's economy, Jesus is the Alpha and Omega. Everything flows from Christ. Everything flows to Christ. We are the conduit. So we can either be a dam so it flows into us and we stop it and hold on to it and, and just try and keep it all for ourselves or we can open up and let it flow through us. 
See, when I was young, I, again, I was being raised Dutch fan, we didn't have a lot. I can remember uh, going to the restaurant and asking myself, how little of a tip can I get away with? Anybody, any witnesses here? Anybody, how little can I get away with giving? Is this okay? You know, I know they say 18%, but can I get by with 10%? And I can remember God's spirit convicting me at one point and going, you must be mistaken that it's actually yours. Everything is mine. Everything that you have, everything that you've earned, your job, your body, your family, your, your, your community, everything that you have flowed from me. And Jesus' example was not holding on to eternity, not holding on to heaven as though it was something to be grasped. He emptied himself, came to earth, and took the form of a servant. Why? So that he emptied himself of everything so that through him we could receive everything. That's the example. So as I was learning and growing about generosity, one of uh, the founder of our company and I were on a trip to Minneapolis. And I remember he said, we're gonna talk about Philemon, a verse in Philemon. Does anybody know a verse in Philemon here? No, not the billboard top 10 books of the Bible. But he, this verse in Philemon, we talked about it the, the entire trip uh, to Minneapolis and it's become a transformational verse in my life. Paul is writing to Onesimus and he says, your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the heart of the Lord's people. And the way I, where I learned it was you've refreshed the hearts of the saints. And one of the conversations that we had was, how do you refresh somebody's heart? And this goes to the core of generosity because we can think about money and it, sometimes it is about money, but it's not only about money. Sometimes refreshing somebody else is about, as Darren mentioned last week, it could be about time, it could be about resources, it could be about uh, a good word, it could be about anything. How do I refresh somebody else's heart? So as I was chewing on this, I remember thinking to myself, you know what? Some of the most important, impactful people in my life were teachers. Elementary, junior high, senior high, college. So over a process of about a year, I listed all of the teachers who had a significant impact on me in one way or another. And I'm... I went and I visited him. I went to Miss, Mrs. Avery's house. She was my first grade teacher. And I got to sit down with Mrs. Avery and say thank you. Got to go see Mr. Ludwig, my biology teacher. I hated biology. That's, yeah. I, I really flunked it. He gave me a C because I did a lot of extra credit, but I hated biology. But I loved Mr. Ludwig. And what I didn't learn about biology he taught me a ton of things about life. And I, there's just something about him. So I went and I said, thank you. Thank you. How, how do you refresh somebody? You say, thank you. You give them something. There, uh, there's a book out there called 365 Thank Yous by a guy who 
whose life was falling apart. And so he took a, said, on New Year's Day, he said, my life is falling apart. I've just had my second divorce. And the girlfriend that I had broke up with me. My business is in the tank. And he decided that he was going to, you know what I'm going to do? I am going to say thank you. I'm going to be grateful for what I have. So every day for a year, he wrote a thank you note to somebody in his life. And the book's about how it changed his life. As you guys know, I blog uh, chapter day during the weekdays. Been doing it for 16 years. And I've had one blog post in 16 years that has gone viral. One. And it wasn't even one of my chapter day blog posts. It was 10 reasons being a theater major prepared me for success. Went viral. And there's this guy out in, uh, on the East Coast who's a professional actor. And he found that blog post and he read it and then he started reading it and he goes, oh, this guy's a Christian. And so he started reading my chapter day posts. His name's Mike. He's a, a professional actor. And he, he emailed me. And over a couple of years, he would email me about twice a year. I'd hear from him saying, hey, I really appreciate your posts. Um, and he, he would ask some questions about theater. He's like, you're the only Christian that I know that appreciates theater. So we'd, we'd share on that level. And then... Um, about a year ago, a year or two ago, he, I remember getting an email from him, and he said, you know what, Tom? He said, I hope that someday before I die, you and I can actually meet in person, and we can sit down and have a meal. And then just a couple of months ago, I got an email from him, and he shared with me that he is entering chemo because he has prostate cancer. So I said, Mike, I'm coming to Richmond, Virginia, and I'm buying you dinner. Now, I shared earlier this summer that I had this road trip that I went on, and that was part of the road trip. I went to Richmond, Virginia to take him out to dinner. And as we were talking, he was asking me about what I was doing on this road trip, and as he was asking me questions, it kind of became clear that you... Richmond was not on your way. I'm like, no, it wasn't. I came to refresh your heart, my friend. I came to buy you dinner. Because you need a little refreshment as you struggle through cancer. How do you refresh someone's heart? Sometimes you just throw it out there. And every morning I go out and I just try and sew my blog posts. And Eric, come on up. About a year ago during COVID, I was on Facebook and I read this post by Eric Recker on Facebook. It was just kind of this kind, uh, encouraging word. And I remember in the midst of COVID going, oh, my soul needed to hear this. And then he started, and then the next day there was another word from Eric. And then another word from Eric. And I go, oh, we've got another sewer. He's sowing out a good word every day. So I wanted Eric to come up here, and I want to ask you, Eric, how, how did that start? Yeah, so... Uh, you should be on. Hello. Good? Yeah, there hello. we go. Okay. Uh, so March of last year, um, 2020, uh, the world was in a little bit of turmoil. Um, lots of uncertainty swirling around. We had great plans for a spring break vacation. All of that got shattered. We pivoted, 
um, and went to another location, and then it became very apparent that I was going to have to cut that short to come back because uh, I was going to have to have a really tough meeting with my staff at my uh, dental practice and tell all of them that they didn't have a job uh, for the foreseeable future. So that was March 17 uh, of last year, and so I went and had that really difficult meeting. We cried together, prayed together, all of that stuff, and then uh, hopped on my bike and went to get lost on some gravel roads to try to um, just clear my head and uh, just met with this flood of emotions and just the God really started speaking to me at that point and I felt like if there are feelings that I am feeling then there's probably other people who are feeling those things as well so I decided what's the best way to share some of those feelings and that'd be on social media so wasn't much of a poster um, but I had a few words and I put them out there uh, that night. Um, and then uh, the next day, instead of having a full schedule of patients, I was at home. And uh, I don't do that real well, don't sit still very well. I'm sure nobody can relate to that. Um, but I told God that as long as my office was closed, I would give him 30 minutes of quiet a day, that he could just say whatever that first day. I looked at my watch about 35 seconds into it, wondering where we were at for time. So it took a while to work into that, but from that day on, I, I wish I could say I kept the 30 minutes up. When we got, went back to work, that went by the wayside, but um, I still try to have that time, and God just keeps giving me words every day that I feel like can be beneficial to other people. So I just keep putting it out there. Um, not in a legalistic sense, but just in as long as God's giving me the words, I'm going to put them out there because I know they're going to ring with someone else. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's flowing through you, right? Yep. You get it? And you Conduit. You throw it out there. Yep. Um, what, so what keeps you going and, and what's your hope in all of this? Um, so what keeps me going is just the hope that, uh, the hope and the knowledge that God can do whatever he wants to do with our obedience. So as Tom talked about, a conduit, that's all it is. So I feel like God has given me a gift of words, but they're not my words, they're his words. So all I do is try to process those and then put them out in a way that it will resonate with somebody else. Um, and there's been a lot of discouragement along the way. You know, you put out this great post that, uh, man, this one's really going to hit, and Tom can relate to this, that, you know, I'm going to get likes and comments and all this stuff, and then uh, the next day you look at it and four likes and no comments and you just want to quit and invariably that day I have somebody that sends me a message or stops me and just says hey I look at your posts they mean a lot it's right what I needed to hear and that and that just keeps me going so um, also just hearing stories of people who say that they have changed some things in their life they're putting their phones down a little bit more staying away from the news trying to be present um, I call it win the now um, because that's what we have. Our currency is, is right now. So no matter what's going on the rest of the day or in the next week or whatever, we have right now. Um, and hearing people live in the moment, in chain, that's, that just means, means the world to me. And uh, I know that God is excited about that. So that's my hope is that he'll continue to give me words. I'll continue to put them out there. And who knows, one post might be the thing that sparks someone else to tell the world about Jesus. Who knows? So just obedience. Thanks, Eric. Yes. Thank you, Eric, for being with us this morning. <laughs> Proverbs 12.25 says that uh, 
Anxiety weighs down the heart. But it's a, it's a good word cheers it up. And so thank you, Eric, because your good words have cheered me up on many, many, many days. I'd like to uh, open up some neighborhood time before we go into worship. And here's what I'd like you to ask uh, and talk about in your neighborhood groups. One, when, when have you experienced refreshment from somebody else? Maybe you could think of it in generosity or think about when has your soul been refreshed by somebody else? What was it? And as just in the season of summer and generosities and stories, have you heard anything? Have you experienced anything? Has God done anything in you? Have you been generous in some way? And, and what has that been like? So let's get together in some neighborhood groups and then Dave Hopkins is gonna come up and lead us in some worship.